I mean, our ancestors have been doing this. Like, you think of Mary McLeod Bethune. You think of Josephine Baker. You think of W.B. Du Bois. You think of James Baldwin. Like, you think of all of our elders, those that people know about that have been written in history books, and those that people don't know about that have not been written in history books that have done this. So, that whole we don't do this is so so untrue hey everyone welcome back to flourish in the foreign the podcast that elevates and affirms the voices and stories of black women living and thriving and doing the damn thing abroad yeah that's this here podcast This podcast also explores living abroad as a pathway to wellness. Yes. Oh, yeah. Sweet wellness. We're talking about financial wellness, emotional wellness, professional wellness, physical wellness, mental wellness, all the wellnesses. I'm your host, Christine Job, an American living and trying to thrive in the midst of a panini in Barcelona. Yeah, welcome to the show. If you are new, if you have been here for a minute, I so appreciate you. You know I do. You know I love you. Thank you, thank you. Now, speaking about professional wellness, this episode is brought to you by The Career Upgrade, which is a group coaching program by Itia Thomas. Now, if that name sounds familiar to you, it's because you've heard Itia's story on this here podcast. Itia lives in Australia, and in her episode, she shared with us how and why she decided to move to Australia, but she also shared how she was able to land not only a job, but a really great job in her career field, negotiated the contract to include residency. She is amazing. And she is the one that's going to be putting on this group coaching. If you want to go abroad and take your career with you, this is the program for you. Yes, it is. If you want to do your thing, but just abroad, this is the program for you taught by the person that, I mean, I couldn't recommend her more. I couldn't. Sign up today because this course, it's on a rolling basis. So even though it starts February 21st, it actually can close at any moment because when she hits her max, it's done. So go ahead, sign up through the Flourish in the Foreign link. It is available in the description of this here episode. You can find it on the show notes page of this episode. You can also find it on the resource page of Flourish in the Foreign, www.flourishintheforeign.com slash resources. Go ahead, use my link. Tell Itia that Christine at Flourish in the Foreign sent you, again, at no additional cost to you, but of course helps to support this here podcast and helps you get to where you want to go. So this podcast is a labor of love, but you know, labor nonetheless. And that's why I ask you all to please support this here podcast in any way that you can So you can, of course, support this podcast by utilizing the sponsors of this here podcast. Appreciate you very, very much. And of course, using our link always at no extra cost to you and just a way for you to support this here podcast. Also, you can support the podcast by becoming a Patreon at www.patreon.com slash flourishforn. You can cash out the podcast at dollar sign flourish foreign. You can purchase a piece of equipment that the podcast needs to upgrade its recording situation, its production situation via our Amazon wish list. And you can find that link and can see the wish list via the support page of the podcast. Just go to www.flourishintheforeign.com support. 
And of course, make sure that you are sharing this here podcast with all of your friends that you're following the podcast across social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Flourish Foreign. Check out the YouTube channel. And of course, leave a review. I love reading your reviews. I love reading your reviews. Please write a review for the podcast and give us a five-star rating. All right. I have given you so many ways to support this here podcast today. And I hope that you have decided to choose at least one way to support this here podcast today. Okay, on to the next episode. So today's guest is Corey, and I really excited for you to hear her story because it's a little bit different than some of the other stories that I've showcased here. Corey has studied abroad extensively and is bilingual, but also part of the university team to support students, minority students on campus, and then also advocate for them and encourage them to pursue studying abroad. But I'll let her tell you all about it. My name is Corey Saunders. I am 36 years old, and I'm currently located in Raleigh, North Carolina. My hometown is Orange, New Jersey, and I use she, her, her pronouns. So growing up from a toddler on, I heard multiple languages. My neighbors on my street were from different countries, we would see the U.S. flag, the Italian flag, the Irish flag, and we got to know our neighbors really well. So from there, I was introduced to other cultures, other languages. And then growing up in New Jersey, 25 minutes out of New York City, and my parents being from New York City, I heard English and Spanish all the time. Whenever I would visit my grandparents, my cousins, my aunts, my godmother, I would hear both languages. And so I always wanted to understand Spanish. I, I loved hearing all of the music. I loved the vibrancy of the people that were around me, whether they were African-American, whether they were Latinx or Hispanic, whether they were from the Caribbean. And so I've always been drawn to learn and to understand different cultures. But Spanish was that other language that was so beautiful that I really, really wanted to learn and understand. My family is African-American Black, and they did not speak Spanish. Therefore, I would listen to the music, I would vibe to Sayo Cruz or Tito Puente or Mark Anthony, and I asked my parents, what is that language? And I really, really wanted to know what that language was. It sounded so pretty, and I loved the vibrancy of the people that I saw speaking it. And I really wanted to know what they were saying. I had this respect for a language that I didn't even know. And I really wanted to be able to understand and to use this language. So I was always exposed to other cultures. And then going to school, many of my friends, their families were from other Caribbean islands or from South America or from other places around the world. And so I I was exposed from an early age to various cultures through language, through food, through clothing. And so I really wanted to to dive deep into that. And as I grew older and wanting to learn Spanish, since my parents couldn't teach me because they didn't speak the language, they told me to take it in school. And so from then on, I ran with that. And now I have a degree in Spanish because of it. I asked Corey to tell me about her university experience, and Corey is a proud graduate of Hampton University, a historically Black university. And this podcast is all about showcasing just the different stories and the different perspectives of Black women who have lived abroad and who are living this lifestyle. And I just found her her story of her university experience to be so fundamental to not only her collegiate experience, but also to her professional experiences and who she is today. I went to Hampton University, the real HU in Hampton, Virginia. I studied marketing and Spanish and I am an Onyx 6 class of 2005. 
my HBC experience was amazing. I developed relationships with friends that I have for a lifetime. I also developed relationships with some of my professors that I have for a lifetime. We continue to support each other, encourage each other till this day. And we will continue to do that forever. The experience is so enriching. There's a sense of pride. There's a sense of culture, which is like a theme throughout my life. There is a sense of community that never goes away. One of my professors, she was my Spanish professor, Dr. Nellie McCray. She was also my Spanish advisor. We developed such a strong bond that she is not just my professor, but she's my madrina, which is godmother in Spanish. I call her to this day. I text her. I know her family. Her family is my family. My family is her family. And that's because I went to Hampton University. I didn't go to Hampton University just for an education, which, by the way, I received an excellent education. I went to Hampton University for so much more that I didn't even realize I was going to get when I decided, when I signed on the dotted line to say that I'm going. There were so many blessings that came from Hampton University, and studying abroad was one of them. I asked Corey, what did her family think of her wanting to study abroad? My parents are... <laughs> are amazing. They're so cool. When I told them that I wanted to study abroad, they were like, "Mm mm-hmm, sounds like my child. Okay. When is it? (laughs) How much is it? (laughs) What, like, what are the details? They are, they are, they have always been supportive of what my sister and I have wanted to do. As long as it is something that is beneficial, that can help ourselves, help our community, help others, they're, they're good for it. As long as they know that we'll do our research, they know that we'll do our due diligence, And my parents know I'm frugal, so they know that I will try to figure out the resources. And so they were all all on board. They even dropped me off at the airport when it was time to go, drove me to Philly, which is an hour and a half from where we're from, to catch the plane to meet up with my classmates. So they were they were always on board, which I know is a huge blessing because not every family understands study abroad and knows what the, what it is. And so some families don't fully, su- they want to support their students, but they're also nervous for various reasons. But even if my parents were, they didn't tell me, they <laughs> encouraged me. Because they knew that speaking Spanish and understanding the cultures of which that language came from is really important to me. And so they encouraged me the whole way through. I studied abroad three times while I was at Hampton University, much thanks to Dr. Order McCray and Dr. Jackson in the business school and Dr. Mitchell in the business school. I studied for two weeks in Spain after my freshman year. We studied Spanish art. And we took more of a tour during those two weeks. We started in Madrid and went to Toledo, Salamanca, Sevilla, some other cities, Valencia, and then ended in Barcelona. We were a beautiful group of black and brown students, and I had a really enriching time. I had a really amazing time, but there were some times where that learning took place that wasn't about the Spanish art that we were studying, but those cultural nuances really came into play, understanding the culture and the history really helped us to embrace the culture for what it was. At least I can speak for myself. It really helped me to embrace the culture for what it was, even the not so, the some of the challenging moments, I would say. There was one time we were waiting outside of a restaurant and we were all in our group, again, of brown, various shades of brown skin people. And there was a woman across the street with a child and it looked like she was dragging the child like away from us, like looking and staring at us, but dragging the child away. And at first, you know, in my mind, I'm like, what is going on? You know, kind of like looking around to see like what's going on and then realizing, okay, maybe it is us, the group that we're in that she is staring at and kind of like moving away from. And under like effort, all things can run through my mind. But then I realized and remembered what I learned about the history and the culture in Spain of where we were at the time. And I realized you might not have seen this amazing group of black people before, and it might be jarring to you. You might have heard things that maybe are and are not true. You And so seeing her reaction to probably us standing across the street from her, it 
me understanding the culture allowed me to react in a more positive way. We just continued to enjoy ourselves, laugh, joke, and talk as we waited for dinner and hopefully showed her what interactions with brown people are like. I'm only making an assumption because I did not get to speak to the woman, but that is something that we often experience. And so hopefully by seeing us, she was able to see something positive versus maybe some of the notions that she might have had in her head. But because I wanted to learn a language and because I, I wanted to practice, that also opened up doors for me while I was in Spain. It allowed me to show that I appreciated the culture, the country that I was in, and respected the language. So that helped me throughout my first two weeks there, even though my Spanish was still improving. After my junior year, I studied abroad in Guadalajara, Mexico, to improve my Spanish language skills, speaking, reading, and writing skills, and to learn about the culture there. In Mexico, I did a five-week Spanish and language intensive course and three of my classmates from Hampton University also did the same program. One is one of my best friends, Joya. We stayed together with a host family and we had a mom, a dad, two nieces, two sisters, a dog named Cairo, and we lived with them. When we first got there and got settled, our mom took us to school, showed us how to take the 625 bus to school and back, and then said, okay, girls, you're good. So then from then on, we would go to school and come back on the bus. We always had breakfast with our host mom. We would have muerzo or lunch, which is like the biggest meal of the day, in the afternoon with our whole family and then we would have like cenar with like our host mom or whoever was around we would sometimes watch tv or movies with them but joy and i did we explored the city we met one of our friends who would hang out around school he was from guadalajara as well jose and we realized like he loved 112 and other R&B artists just as much as we did, even though he really didn't speak English. Do not step on his white Nike Air Forces. Do not touch his fitted hat. And we were like, oh, well, we must be at home. So our classes were taught from teachers and instructors from Valencia. So our classmates were from Korea and Canada and the U.S. So we really had to use Spanish as a unifying language because we all didn't speak the same native tongue. And so that was really, really, really helpful. And our instructors didn't speak our native tongues either. So it was really, really helpful to be immersed in the language. Our host families, we spoke Spanish with them. We, we did a lot of activities, dance classes and cooking classes to really delve deep into the culture. And one day I was in class and there was a, a guest that actually sat next to me and she gestured gestured to her hands saying like that she liked people of color when they came to Mexico for whatever their reason was and not so much people and she flipped her hand over to show like white white people and she said because you come because you want to learn the language because you want to understand our culture because you want to see you know how we are and interact with us and they come and they expect us to speak English and are not nice and things of that nature and I was super surprised because I didn't know her (laughs) she she hadn't been to our our class before and it was I appreciated her openness and I appreciated her sharing her experience with me even though she didn't know me and I appreciated what she did say about the people in my community because we don't often hear that we often hear the opposite and so it was such a blessing to hear her say how she welcomes us and how she appreciates us and how she's thankful that we come and that we appreciate her and her 
her language and her community and her culture because that and that was affirming because that was why I was there. I was there to learn about her people, her culture, her language. And so that was like a, a, a full circle moment because that was also towards the end of my program. And that was one of the highlights of my time abroad. I have never forgotten that because of that. And it just shows how far respect can go, how far openness can go, how far taking the time to learn about someone else's culture can go. And I was super appreciative of that. So my time in Mexico was great. And then I studied abroad in Brazil after I graduated from Hampton University and I went with the Hampton University Architecture Department. In addition to going to Parachi, we went to Rio de Janeiro, we went to Salvador Bahia, we went to Sao Paulo, we went to Recife. And so to go to all of these different cities um, or different places in Brazil and to see how to see the differences and the nuances of each of the culture of each place was really cool. And to see the Afro-Brazilian cultures in some of the places and to get to understand why that is and then like to continue to do research like even after coming home was really, really, was really, really enlightening. It was, again, another experience that I don't know if I would have ever had if I didn't go to Hampton University. Corey went on to attend graduate school where she studied abroad again in Spain. And a funny coincidence is that we both studied abroad in Valencia at the Universitat de Valencia, obviously at different times. But I asked her to tell me about her experience in Valencia. So for my graduate degree, I did a, an international MBA program. And so I studied at the University of North Carolina, Wilmington, and received an MBA from there. And I studied at the University of Valencia in Valencia, Spain. And I received international marketing degree from there. When I went back to Spain, for my graduate degree, honestly, I really both I really wanted to go to a Latin American country to continue my Spanish language skills or to to be in the culture of a Latin American country. But Spain was was the option based on the program that I chose for my graduate degree, and I full force went with it. So, in Spain, there was a lot of times where I was the only person of color in Valencia. I did see some people of color in the university. Sometimes when I would walk around or if I'm going to and from class or something like that, but most of the time, not many and not every day. I, so there were times where it's like I'm the only people wanted to ask me about my hair and my skin and things of that nature. And most of the time I took it in stride because I realized that maybe you have never seen someone that looks like me. Maybe you've never seen someone with my hair. So let me positively educate you. And if I didn't feel like educating you that day, I would not do it. <laughs> I would just politely just decline and keep it moving. I really, I got to know my professors while I was studying, getting my graduate degree in Valencia. I made some amazing friends towards the end of my time in Valencia that really showed me so much more of the culture. I found, I think they showed me uh, or told me about Latin dance nights where it was, there were more people of color there that were from like different Caribbean islands and I felt more at home. It was like being back home in New Jersey and New York and going to like a party or a club or something like that. And it was amazing. I was also able to go to La Bufera, which is in Valencia. It's like the what Valencia used to look like before. It was like a more metropolitan city now. The old, the way that the houses were made, and it kept the historic feel of what Valencia used to look like. And one of my friends who was from Valencia took me, so that was really special because I was able to then go and see other parts of the city that I was living in, meeting and talking with my professors. One of my professors would have invited me to her wedding if I wasn't going to visit other countries during spring break. So again, being able to build relationships, community, and build a community there really made my time in Valencia even more enriching than it was. My courses were taught in English, so I always took the opportunity to do as much as I could using the Spanish language outside of class. So... It was, 
a really, really good experience. And I would do it again in a heartbeat, but hopefully in other countries. After she graduated, I asked Corey, what did she decide to do next? I was in the U.S. when I graduated, so I started looking for work again. I realized in Valencia, Spain, that I wanted to work and study abroad. But before going to graduate school, I worked in corporate America, in finance, in magazine publishing, and so and in other business industries. And I was trying to figure out, okay, so now that I have these degrees and now that I have another study abroad experience under my belt, how can I pivot and transition into higher education, specifically study abroad? This is what I want to help other students do. I've done it a couple of times now, and each experience has enriched my life with all that it encompasses, all of the great times and all of the challenging times, and I wanted to help students navigate that process from beginning to end. However, I didn't know how I was going to do that because at Hampton University, when I was there, my professors were like my study abroad advisors. We didn't have a study abroad office, and so I wasn't sure how I was going to navigate into the study abroad field. So when I came back to the U.S. and I graduated, I um, looked for positions in study abroad, and which was a challenging feat in and of itself. And so during my transition period, I took contract work and also worked as a community school site coordinator, which I was blessed to then be able to work with my elementary school that I attended through that position. But study abroad was always still my number one. And so even through all those other like positions, I was still trying to get my foot into the door to work within study abroad. It took me three to five years between when I graduated to when I was able to get a position in study abroad. I also sent myself to the NAFSA International Education Annual Conference so that I could make connections, build relationships, and learn more of how I could get my foot into the door. Got my resume checked twice. I did as much as I could do to ensure that I could one day work and study abroad. And so I knew that this is where I wanted to be. And my why was because I was tired of hearing people say, we don't do this. And I'm like, who is we and what don't we do? We do study abroad. We do travel. We do work and live abroad. We do enrich other cultures, just like we enrich the culture in which we're in. And we do also learn and appreciate other cultures that we are blessed to be able to visit or live or see. I mean, our ancestors have been doing this. Like, you think of Mary McLeod Bethune. You think of Josephine Baker. You think of W.B. Du Bois. You think of James Baldwin. Like, you think of all of our elders, those that people know about that have been written in history books, and those that people don't know about that have not been written in history books that have done this. So that whole we don't do this is so, so untrue. I wanted that to be a strong reality for those in marginalized communities. I wanted to be a part of that. And so in 2015, I got my first position in study abroad as the study abroad coordinator at Columbus State University in Columbus, Georgia. And from there forward, I knew I made the right decision, and I still feel that way to this day. This episode is brought to you by TransferWise. TransferWise is an online account that lets you send money, get paid, and spend money internationally. With a TransferWise account, you can send money abroad, get paid in other countries, and spend abroad on the TransferWise debit card. Banks and other providers often set their own unfriendly exchange rates, and that means you pay more than you need to, and they pocket the difference. At TransferWise, they never mark up the exchange rate. You'll always get the real mid-market exchange rate, and so you won't have to worry about it. I've been using TransferWise the entirety of my time here in Spain and has never failed me. 
So get your TransferWise account today and use the Flourish in the Foreign link to do so. It's at no extra cost to you, but it does help to support this here podcast. You can find the link in the show notes of this episode and on the Flourish in the Foreign resources page on the website, which you will find in the link across all social media bios. So try out TransferWise today. So my title is Assistant Director for Strategic Marketing, Diversity and Inclusion. I lead all the strategic marketing efforts for the study abroad office. I lead all of the diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts of our office. I have a portfolio of short-term programs that many of our faculty lead for one of the colleges at the university. I also have a region that I manage the exchange programs and portfolios and partnerships. I used to manage those in Australia, but now I manage them in the Americas, which for us right now is mostly in Central and South America. I asked Corey to tell me about the impact that study abroad has had on her students. One of my students in one of the workshops said that they were able to be their authentic selves abroad and they were able to live in their full selves. And from learning that, that's how they will continue to show up in places and spaces regardless of wherever they are. That hit home. To hear a student say that they were able to learn how to show up as their authentic selves I said, all right, okay, Lord, I did, look, they did that. And I'm glad that I was able to be on their journey with them. They have grown leaps and bounds. They continue to make me proud. And when I heard them say that, I was grateful for the work that I do. It's not about me, it's about them. And so when I heard them say that they were able to show up as their authentic full selves and be their authentic full selves, what more could I ask for? I got an email from a student yesterday. So with the COVID-19 pandemic, our university, we're not sending any students abroad in the fall. And I received an email from a student who was going to go abroad in the fall. And he sent an email thanking me for assisting him along his journey his study abroad journey. And I thought like that made my entire week because he doesn't even get to go abroad this fall. Yet he still appreciated the the things that I did to help him on his journey. So to see that email also lets me know that it's not just about a student leaving and coming back, but it's about all the things that we do to prepare a student for their entire journey. And as I I often say, study abroad is so much like life because you have to finish applications just like you would have to for university or grad school or to apply for a job. You have to figure out where you're going to live and you have to figure out what university you want to study, what country. You have to figure out all of these things that we continue to do these things as we graduate and as we begin our careers and as we live our lives, all these things that our students do for study abroad is life. We continue to do these things throughout our life. And so I also rest in the fact that although one of my my student could not go abroad, he still gained so many valuable life skills that he will be able to take with him for the rest of his life. And I have no doubt that he's going abroad one day. It might not be this fall, but he's going to get there. And if it's not study abroad, it'll be for another reason. But he'll remember what he learned through the his application phase of the study abroad process that hopefully will make it easier for him to go abroad in the future. I asked Corey to give some advice for students that are thinking about studying abroad. So the first thing I would say would be to start early. Do not wait. The moment that you even think, oh, study abroad, what is that? Go to the study abroad office if there is one or go to the professor who runs the programs or whoever it is on your campus if you are a college student and start inquiring and asking questions if there is a 
a, a workshop or a peer advising group, start asking questions the minute that you hear about it because it takes planning. And so you want to have enough time to plan out when could you do it? When's the best time based on your major academics, based on your finances? There's so many things that go into studying abroad. So start early. Do your research. Do your research into the programs, how well they fit. What are your goals? Think about your goals for studying abroad. What's your academic goal for studying abroad? What's your personal goal for studying abroad? What's your professional goal for studying abroad? Because after you study abroad, you want to be able to articulate those things, not just in academics, but you also, this is something that you can use as you become a a professional as well. You also want to do your research in terms of and looking at yourself, okay, what are you comfortable with? What are you not comfortable with? You, what challenges do you think would arise? A lot of, many of the study abroad websites, go on the websites of your institution and see all of the resources that they have and then start asking questions. If you are not a college student yet, let's say you're in high school or you haven't started yet, there's so many universities that have study abroad websites. Go on all of them and see what kinds of programs are offered. See what kind of resources are offered. Read the stories of the students if they have student bios. You can go on culturalcurators.com, which is my site, to read about amazing people who have studied abroad or who have worked abroad, just to start getting that picture in your mind. And then also write down all of the challenges that you see for studying abroad. What are they? Write them down on paper. Whether they're real or perceived, it doesn't matter because then those are the challenges that you can go and take to your study abroad advisor and discuss them and figure out ways in which you can overcome those challenges and ways in which you can find resources and help to overcome those challenges. And then go for it. That's what I would say to start. I also asked Corey to share some advice for perhaps some of the family members that may not really be on board with the whole study abroad thing. I would say be open to any parent who is hesitant about your student studying abroad. Know that they have support. This is the work that we do that we chose to do. We are here to support your students through the entire process. So know that your student has support. Know that this is a journey for your students. College is a journey and study abroad can be such an impactful, enriching experience for them that will yield dividends even after they graduate. They will yield dividends not just on helping a student get their foot into the door into the career and the job that they want, but also help them grow as a whole person. This will allow them to explore who they are as people. They explore the communities in which they came from, as well as explore the communities in which they are going to study in. I've had friends whose parents were like, no, they're not going. And think about your student for a moment and think about what that, what that no can do to impact them. But think about what that yes could do. Think of how empowering that yes could be, not just for the student, but also for you, how you could then see your student in another lens from them being in a different culture. You know your student better than I do, but I will say that a lot of the students who I worked with whose parents at first said no, were grateful that they said yes when it was all said and done. We're grateful that they changed their minds. Have conversations with your students. Let them tell you about each phase of the process as they're going through the process, if that's what you all discuss. But have the conversation and hopefully be open-minded. And I will say it has, even the students who have faced this COVID-19 experience of canceled programs or having to return home from programs, I have worked with some amazing students who do not regret the decisions that they've made, and they have still learned so much from whether they were in country and their program got cut short or whether they weren't even able to go yet. So I would say be open-minded, know that your students are supported, know that we care about your students and want them to succeed, and that we're there for them throughout the entire process and even when they come back. 
Corey has an amazing platform called Cultural Curators, and I asked her to tell me all about it. So Cultural Curators is a website that I started to amplify highlights and to give shine to people of color and people of diverse backgrounds who have studied or interned or worked abroad or or who work in the international education field. Like I said before, when I was trying to get into study abroad, I didn't know anyone of any person of color that worked in a study abroad office. I knew my professors at HU, but I didn't know anybody who worked at a study abroad office. So I didn't have a resource that I could readily go to. And as I was looking and researching online, I didn't see that. And so I was like, how is this the case? Plus, I'm like, I want to highlight and feature and put some shine on some amazing people who do this work. Like they should be, we should know who they are. We should know their names. We should know the work that they do because they, because they're that dope. They deserve it. And so I wanted to create a space where I could highlight and amplify these amazing colleagues that I get to work with and these amazing students who have graduated and gone on to do so many things in this world, I wanted to create a space for that. And so that's where cultural curators came from. I never wanted somebody to be in my situation and not know where they could go to find people of color or people of diverse backgrounds that do this work. My colleagues continue to amaze me. My colleagues have hearts of gold. Like they Every time I get to be around them, you learn something new. The energy is infectious. Can, like it's, it's community. It's culture. It's love. And I want people to see that. I want people to see them. And so that's why I developed Cultural Curators. I don't want to hear any more of this phrase, we don't do this. We do this and we do it well. And so I want cultural curators to show that and to be that space to amplify beautiful, amazing voices that have overcome challenges, that have created opportunities and places and spaces for our students and for our faculty and fellow staff that have studied abroad and gone on to do so many different industries and so many different career paths that serve so many different people around the world. I just want them to be seen, heard, valued, and I want them to feel loved. Feel free to email me at culturalcurators at gmail.com, and I'd be happy to share resources for study abroad scholarships. Check on my website or my Instagram for more resources in terms of study abroad scholarships. Or feel free to donate to the Cultural Curators Scholarship. I asked Corey to tell me what her personal definition of wellness is and how her experiences studying abroad and how her current work has influenced not only her personal practice of wellness, but how she encourages her students to engage with wellness. So oftentimes, people of color and people of marginalized identities are often the only or the few in a study abroad office. And so there's a lot of discussion about wellness, about being that person, because it's often very taxing. Because when you think about it, if you're the only person of color, sometimes people automatically, oh, like you're, also oh, all the students of color should go to you. <laughs> or, or you understand what that is like, and so you want to help those students who would only feel comfortable talking to you. Like my door is always open. My colleagues know if they want to send a student to me, especially a student of marginalized identity or a student of difference or a student of diverse backgrounds, they know that they can email Corby and introduce us. They know that they can send that student to me. But it's also very taxing because then I use overcapacity. And that happened with a lot of colleagues of color and of colleagues of difference. And so wellness is something that we've brought to the forefront because we have to take care of ourselves. We also, people of color are also very communal people. It's not about 
the individual. It's about the community. And so it's, even though the U.S. culture is supposed to be individualistic, a lot of times culture, people of color, our cultures are not individualistic. And so you're always thinking about the community and other people and those who are also in your community. You want to make sure that they are, are that we, that that they are taken care of and that they are supported, that they are seen and heard and respected because sometimes that is not the case. And so we often are depleted and are, and are over capacity. And so thinking of wellness is also having to take time for ourselves. I know sometimes I feel like I'm a yes person. Okay, yes, I'll do this. Yes, I'll do that. Yes, I'll do the third. And I do, and it's all for really great reasons. It's all for service. It's all for me trying to serve those in my community. But there's a power I'm learning in saying no. I'm learning that there is, that rest is a form of revolution and that that should also be a part of who who we are. We cannot give from an empty cup. We can't even give from a full cup. We have to give from an overflow. And a lot of times we don't allow ourselves to recharge and to, to replenish so that we can give from overflow. And so it's practices that we often might not have been uh, taught or as much or put on the forefront because I can remember being taught you have to be the first one in and the last one out. You have to be twice as good and do twice as much. Well, if I'm being twice as good and I need to do twice as much, then how rest? How do I rest then? How do I? So that's so thinking of our thinking of ourselves in more holistic ways as we often want our students to think of themselves in holistic ways and whole ways is one of the ways in which I approach wellness now and ways in which we're trying to encourage you know our fellow colleagues to approach wellness one of my students they they so my global diversity advocates my first cohort has ended their term and we have new global diversity advocates for next year and one of and our my global diversity advocates that just finished when we were meeting with the new global diversity advocates virtually because COVID-19 they were like y'all need to check on Corey y'all need to make sure she's good she pours a lot out she gives of herself she will give and serve and do to make sure that you are all good make sure she does that for herself y'all make sure if y'all see her make sure she's good and when I heard that I'm like wow I felt seen and I felt heard but also I don't want to perpetuate that for them I want them to see a person who is well rested who is recharged who is good to go and sometimes that's saying no to extra projects tasks and things or saying that looks cool but not now it's also taking uh, time off and time away, using those sick and vacation days to recharge and replenish and not just because a lot of us want to and love to travel and not just use them to travel. It's making sure that we are exercising and doing all of the things that keep us healthy mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and physically. And it's also sitting down on the couch or your bed or the sitting down, having several seats and just being. And it's also talking to a therapist if that's what's needed too. But that's what I think of and that's when I see when I see wellness. And I want to model that wellness for my students and my colleagues. It's like become one of the priority things on my list. Thank you so much, Corey. I really appreciate you sharing your story, but also your insights about study abroad. I think it's really, really vital. So thank you so much. If you want to keep up with Corey, you can via social media. So you can find me on Cultural Curators. With, it's with two Ks. So on Instagram, it's at Cultural Curators. Our, my email address is culturalcurators at gmail.com. And of course, the website, culturalcurators.com. You can also keep up with Corey via her show notes page on the Flourish in the Foreign website, which is www.flourishintheforeign.com slash episodes slash Corey. And that's K-O-R-Y. Okay, thank you again, Corey, for sharing your story and your insights. I think they were really, really powerful. 
And thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Flourish in the Foreign. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider becoming a Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Flourish Foreign. Cash apping the podcast at dollar sign Flourish Foreign. Or purchasing an item off the wish list, off the Amazon wish list, which you can find at www.flourishintheforeign.com slash support. So a couple of weeks ago, I did a little chat on moving abroad and it was amazing. It was two hours. I'm going to actually be cutting that up and putting it on the YouTube channel. So definitely look out for that. But I'm going to be doing another chat. This one all about building a business to go abroad. Yes, this has been highly requested. So I'm doing it. If you're interested in joining this free chat, definitely check out the link in the description of this episode in the show notes. And also I'll put it on the resource page as well. It will be limited. So it is first come first serve. So sign up quickly because it will go fast. So if you're interested in learning how to scale your business to go abroad or how to start a business to go abroad, this is the chat for you. All right. And of course, thank you to Zachary Higgs, who produced the music of this here podcast. He is so great and so wonderful. If you are looking for someone who is just incredibly talented to produce music for your podcast, definitely check him out. All of his information is always and forever in the description of this episode and also on the show notes page. I did want to mention something that uh, has come to my has come to my attention that some of you listening don't realize that each episode of this here podcast has a show notes page. And you might say, what's a show notes page? It's, is it what it, I see when I pull up my phone? No, that's a description. <laughs> a show notes page is the is entire website page. Yeah, of all the information on every single guest. So I have pictures of all these guests, more than I've even shared on Instagram or Facebook. So if you want to learn about these women, if you want to get in contact with them, go to the show notes page of of the episode that you're interested in. The show notes page is www.flourishintheforeign.com slash episodes. So there on the episodes, you can not only listen to the podcast, but you can see the pictures of every one of these beautiful women and learn more about them, read their bios, get more information about them. So check that out today. Yes, yes. All right, that is it for this week. Please take care of yourself, mind, body, and spirit. So, so important. And as always, go abroad and cultivate a life well lived. See you next time. On the next episode of Flourish in the Foreign, Being a Black woman abroad has has really taught me so many things about myself, about the world, about the ways that people navigate the world. But I can't say that without acknowledging the fact that without that American blue passport, which I don't know what COVID is going to do. So this conversation may not even be relevant within the next couple of years. I don't know. But being a Black American, I'm situated in this privileged position, regardless of my skin color.